Hello and welcome back to In The Clock End and also podcasting me, Steve. I'm back. He's finally here after his wedding and his little honeymoon. Calvin, how's it going? All good, Steve-O. Uh, thanks for the welcome back. It's great to be back. It's great to be back and Arsenal winning games even more so. So I think I've timed my return quite well. But um, yeah, great to be back. How are you? I'm all good, mate. Yeah, two, two back-to-back wins, Saturday three o'clock kickoffs. None of this Sunday nonsense, what it's all about. Good and stuff. Liam, he's here again. I'm good, thank you. Uh, stinking, starting to stink the players out, but we've got Calvin to sort that out, sort me out. Uh, balance everything out a little bit more again. Uh, but no, I'm all good. Nothing much has changed since last week. So good. three more points, another clean sheet, one nil to the Arsenal. Happy days. If we win every 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 game for the rest of the season, one nil, we'll have nothing to complain about. <laughs> no, because we'll have won the title, <laughs> probably. Definitely. You heard it here first. <laughs> so I'm just chewing on a sweep. I did notice this. I mean, crikey, we, we literally, you know, listen, this is what we've got to deal with. Steve's like, yeah, right, let's get, let's get podcast going. And, and then he's like, uh, I can even chew in a way. I thought I'd ignore it. At least he's with his mouth shut. Because that has got to be one of the worst qualities of a human being. Pick and mix. Oh, oh, stop that. We can see on camera, we've got the benefit of seeing him take a bite as he's speaking into his microphone as we're mm-hmm. recording. It's really good fun to watch. To be fair, though, like, like on I was, YouTube. Yeah, like I was just saying, though. <laughs> He's not eating like a, you know, like we're in a washing machine or anything, because uh, I think that is generally right up there one of the worst uh, traits you can have as a human being, and that's eating with your mouth open. So congratulations on that, Steve. At least you keep your mouth shut. Is this a football podcast or are we just manners? Just, we're talking about gonna, manners. Just going to go wherever we like with it. Okay, um, why not? So, like we have mentioned, the Arsenal did win on Saturday, back to back one nil wins away up at Burnley of all places. Let's get into it. What did you guys make of it? I'll come to you first, Calvin. I know you're dying to give us the lowdown on, on, on the result. On the I mean, I, yeah, I say dying with a pinch of salt, obviously, because, I mean, look, like you said, winning winning's a, a great habit. Um, it's nice to see us get back-to-back wins, even if they are 1-0, and only if they're against Norwich and Burnley. I appreciate that, but it's a win nonetheless. What did I make of it? I mean, probably like, like most of us, I think it was a case of, you know, you, you're happy with the three points. That's not an easy place to go. Um, I think we could see a few things throughout the game, which Burnley did some underhand tactics, pitch was shite, ball wasn't travelling very well, won't be used as an excuse for one certain individual, which I'm sure we'll come on to at some point. But, you know, to come away from a, a, a ground, not where we've necessarily struggled, but it's a, it's a tricky place to go. Um, you know, we, we I think a lot of us were probably fearful of, getting a bit bullied up there which is notorious you know we're we're pretty much getting used to being bullied anywhere we go so you know to come out from Burnley with three points a clean sheet um and you know uh, you know second lot of three points on on the bounce it's it's a good place to be I mean the only slight caveat to all of it is and the, the minor disappointment is the performance again isn't quite where we want it to be but look again um it's funny isn't it the narrative if if we were playing well and got this result, it would be, well, you know, good teams pick up points or, or wins when they're not playing so well. And we've done that two weekends on the bounce, but because of where we're coming from, that narrative changes ever so slightly. But look, overall, you know, you're happy. It's three points. What, you know, as a football fan, what more do you want? I mean, if you can't enjoy three points in the victory, then you're in the wrong sport, aren't you really? Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But I also think like, if someone has said to you prior to Norwich, you know, you can win your next 2-1-0. You take it all day long, don't you? Especially where we've come from, from like a really rocky start. Um, to get some points on the board mm. and get ourselves up that, up that table. Um, you know, you can't knock that. Liam, how did you feel about the game? Did you watch it? Yeah, yeah, on a dodgy stream again. So I did manage to watch it for the most part. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was great mm. fun to watch. I really did. Um, it's been so long... And I hope my words don't get misconstrued here, but it's been so long since we've really been competitive. And I don't mean to say that we're competing against Burnley in the league standings and whatnot, but mm. just like a really competitive game of football, like a contest. I can't remember yeah. the last time we were really involved and came out the other side with three points, a clean sheet, a win. Like, I've really enjoyed it. Like, in the moment, I was probably a lot more nervous and wasn't enjoying it quite so much. Uh, but coming away, I loved it. I really, really loved watching that game. 
really did. Does anyone really enjoy watching football for for, for the most part? <laughs> if, you, if you look back you at every at every football game for your life and you go, "Well, that was a bit rubbish. That one was a bit crap. But that was a good for the last five minutes." <laughs> in the isn't moment, it like any, it's stressful, isn't it? It's kind of like anything in life, though, isn't it? I guess like it's the anticipation of the match, which probably you enjoy more than the actual match itself sometimes, or or the aftermath of it. It's like holidays; you look forward to sometimes the holiday, sometimes not all the time, more than the trip, but look you've asked this Steve what, what do we make of it now look we'll, we'll come on to yourself from what you can remember for those listeners who are unaware Steve was at the game in body um, I don't know where his mind was necessarily how did you find it from what you can remember I can't remember anything <laughs> <laughs> I can vaguely remember the free kick wow um, in the first half second half I can remember a lot more of it but you know what? Like there, there wasn't a lot. If you sort of, I mean, apart from the penalty decision and the free kick, there wasn't any real kind of major talking points. Mm. Like there, there just wasn't. Like it, like it was. It wasn't the most exciting of games. It felt mm. very much like Norwich. It was very scrappy. Um, you know, whereas in that game, we we need a little bit of luck to get the goal. You know, it was, it was a moment of. Uh, it was you know, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, hit from from Odegaard. Mm. But you know, on the whole. It, you know, it wasn't the most convincing display, but you know, it was a good day out. Yeah, I had a great time from what I can remember. That's all that matters, isn't it? You had a great time. <laughs> I was, yeah, probably drank just probably drank a little bit too much. Ended up in the wrong seats in the first half. Just in, just I don't know where, I don't know how we got there. We were just in the wrong seats, right by the Burnley fans who were. I was just the first half. I was more enthralled by all that the all the Burnley and Arsenal fans just in front of me, just swearing at each other, like growing, <laughs> growing, you know, fully fully grown men, just hurling abuse but then sort of knowing like being in the in the in the in the comfort that there's a big barrier between them so it's sort of mm. like get, get, they're giving it out but it's like i'm not going to come over there because i'm not an idiot <laughs> but just on um, that just sorry just here i go look i'm already cutting across but i think it's quite yeah. you know it's one thing that there was definitely picked up on and the fa obviously looking into it i haven't read much into it because i think it's probably a lot of crap to be honest but you were there again for your glazed eyes and hazy memory at the end of the game like Yes, seemed to be a li- thrown over. little yeah. bit of a, you know, kerfuffle, but it didn't seem too much. But look, again, I, I didn't hang around to, to watch what was going on because I couldn't give a shit. We'd, but... gone, we'd gone back to, uh, you know, here, this is how bad it is, right? So I'd gone to the toilet with Steph and then she said, well, and I said, we'll go and find our proper seats. I came back out of the toilet. I forgot the whole conversation and went back to my seats we sat in the first half. <laughs> Stood there for five minutes, then went back down to the concourse where she was like, where the hell have you been? And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Oh and God. then we went to our crack seats, which were more like in the middle. Okay. So yeah, it was there was just loads of bottles being thrown over, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, just it's a shame, really. But um, no, on the whole, good day out. When we were at the cricket club before the game, there was the Amazon TV cameras, and there was these lads all chatting, and they're all like quite they're all quite boring. Like they were like very like yes, and Pepe's had a really good season, and this this this, and I'm just bouncing in like way. <laughs> 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 and uh, and then me and Steph did an interview, and then I had to sign some disclaimers to say I can go in the documentary. And I was like, oh, when I say what if I was like, oh, oh god, hang on a minute. So this is for the Amazon Prime, yeah. No, oh, so mate. But these guys were so boring, and like, there's a funny video actually. I'll send you it, and they were just chatting like you know. And I come over, <laughs> bowling in, yeah, um, dear, few Want to oh, that was such a good pun. Come on. Bowling in, cricket club. Come on. Yeah, fair play. I completely I went over my head, mate, to be honest with you. Anyway, yeah. Was there any notable, notable notable moments in the game, apart from the free kick and the penalty? Apart from that, I can't think of many. Notable. Not- mm, this is one for yeah. you, for sure. <laughs> well, there wasn't anything notable, really. You're kind of right, but it was a lot of, like, nearly moments. It's all going both ways. Yeah. We, we've talked however many times last season about how we'd, we're sort of getting in these nice areas, but we're not making these shots on goal. And it was the same again. Uh, I, I think the pitch played most of the part, this time around at least. Um, yeah. And then Ramsdale and Gabriel and White were utterly superb um, in making sure that Burnley's moments were only nearly moments and mm. not actual. Like, I mean, we, we've got the stats up in front of us to here, mm. uh, 18 shots, does it say Burnley had? Yeah, 18, yeah. 
I don't remember 18 shots, but uh, but that is a credit to the two centre backs, Tommy Yasu and Tierney as well. Give mm. them their credit uh, mm. and Ramsdale. I really don't remember them having that many shots. Funny that guy was a rock, wasn't he? At the back. Yeah. Not, I'm, I'm not so sure on Ben White. Um, jury's out on that one. At the minute, yes. I, I was just going to touch touch on that. I mean, to be honest with you, it's one of those. He won a lot of his aerial duels, which, are, you know, away at Burnley, that's what you want. That's kind of what he's renowned for as well, which is strange because he's not the tallest. Um, he's obviously supposed to be good at distribution. I felt like, you know, he had one of those strange games uh, again. So I'm, funnily enough, I'm very much on the fence with him at this early stage of his Arsenal career. Uh, and look, you guys, you know, between the two of you, you know, I'm the middle man and I'll happily sit there for longer, but... Yeah, I think there's concerns, definitely, Steve. If, you look, if you're looking at that performance from, from Saturday, yeah, there was a few moments where I was just like, ooh, you know, you're taking too long on the ball, you're trying to turn people there, or again, there was the the, the underhit back pass, which I do think does have a little bit of, um, you know, it's a knock-on effect from the, the state of the pitch. But look, you, I think, you know, we've, we've been playing long enough at this stage, you know what you're dealing with, so you know you've got to put a bit more behind it. Um, but it's one of them, again, where... You know, he did do well. He was part of a unit. That's the unit we now want to see more often because the one thing with Ben White you have to, you know, to really consider is how many different, you know, lineups has he played in at the back? He's had different goalkeepers behind him, different centre-half pairing, different right-backs. That's, that's a lot. And a new club. So that's the one saving grace he has for me at the minute. Doesn't take away from how he played overall on Saturday, if that makes sense. But... uh yeah, he, he's one of those where I'm a little bit concerned watching him, yes, at the minute. I think you made a really good point there, actually. Um, I haven't really given much thought about the fact that, you you know, you're right, he sort of played with Leno, he's played with Holy and Chambers, whatever. Um, yeah. It was interesting, like, I, was, I, was, I did have a brief kind of look over some of the highlights, and like when when there was like kind of set pieces, kind of party was always dropping into that hole, mm. which sort of kind of, you know, secured that that central area. Um the thing is, it's the Forest thing, isn't it, really? Like, it, we, I think we all sort of buy into the idea of Ben White, but because he has come with so much money, there's ex, there's, a, there's instantly that expectation that he's 50 million, you know, he's going to be, you know, putting up trees and all that. Um, he certainly looks the part, you know, um, but time will tell. I think I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Just actually, just a quick side note, Liam, I'm sure you'll probably want to come in on, on this in a sec, but it's just, you know, we keep talking around price tags, especially with certain individuals. We've done it with Pepe ever since he's arrived. Uh, we're we're going to start doing it with Ben White. One thing that just popped into my mind, though, and it's, I don't have a figure in mind if, if, if you come back with a question, but what is classed as a lot of money for a transfer in today's market? Genuinely, I mean, like, that's a genuine question. I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't have an answer. I don't even have a, a wandering, but what is like the average cost of a player now that's considered a good deal or... Do you know what I mean? Like, that's quite hard to kind of pick out for me anyway I do like your average centre half you know 50 million is that yeah you can't really quantify it but then you kind of know when it's in front of you like Mm. it's hard to you you add a million each time or so and you don't quite realise you're getting more and more but suddenly when you get there you kind of know it if if that makes any sort of sense Um, to be honest I'm not really the best person to ask I suppose because I'm not really, I don't get too hung up on, on fees. I don't know enough about the financial markets. All I saw was an English uh, centre-back coming mm. from a club who doesn't need that much, who doesn't need the money, um, who's just gone to the Euros and got his first England caps. Mm. He's only 23. Like all of the, he's got, he was on a fairly longish contract still, like had some time to go. Like mm. all of those little things that build up, so I could kind of see how it ended up getting to be more expensive. Yeah, but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. I don't really know how to quantify a lot because, uh, yeah, well, yeah, for the reasons I mentioned. Yeah, Steve, any thoughts? It's a strange, isn't it? Like usually, when you sort of think of um, you know, high-profile transfers, you you instantly think of like more attacking players, mm-hmm. the sort of players who are really going to change the team at the other end of the field. Um, you know, when you sort of look at the Odegaard. Signing of what was he twenty five million? Same age, thirty five, I think. Thirty five, well, not yeah, thirty five, but somewhere around that region. Yeah, so yeah, sorry, sorry, similar age. It is definitely a bit of a mad figure. Like I don't know how they sort of came up. Then you you know you could set up Nicholas Pepe like seventy two million. Obviously, pretty it's a pretty well. 
Pepe was was pre-COVID, Ben White post-COVID market. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a lot of money, to, but ugh, I don't know. It, it, who knows what what Brighton wanted? Maybe Arsenal. The thing is, clubs don't let on do they who they want. So maybe they you know, Chelsea or Man United or City were after him, mm. and Arsenal were like, you know, if you want this, Brighton have said, if you want it, this is what this is what you've got to pay, and they've said, okay, we're not going to mess around. So mm. you know, because if if it had gone the other way, and let's say. I don't know, City come in for like 55 million and we, we missed out on him. We'd all be here kicking our... Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing to just to come into that point is I, I kind of think that the, the price is considered expensive depending on how well they do because if Ben White's with us for six years, wins trophies with us and those mm-hmm. trophies bring in prize money and then we go on to sell him for, I don't know, when he's older at 25 million or so, We've paid 25 million to have a centre back on our books for six years, which mm. isn't a lot of money per year, uh, not including wages, of course. And mm. he's brought, he's what helped us win trophies. I don't know, let's say an FA Cup, uh, maybe a, Euro, a European League. I don't know. I'm obviously making this up here. Um, but if you, but that is your big revenue stream as well, winning your trophies. You bring players in to win your competitions. If he helps mm. us win those competitions, and he's a great player. Suddenly, 50 million doesn't feel so expensive. But if he flops and we're trying to get rid of him in the summer because he's really flopped that hard, suddenly he is very, very expensive. Yeah. I think it's a bit result. Jury's out on that one until we see sort of the results of his purchase, if that makes sense. And like I said, see him in a consistent back four or back five if you want to include the keeper in that as well. I think that's, you know, really something to consider because I do, one thing, you know, I haven't had a chance to speak about and that's, Tommy Asu next to him. That guy has come in and just hit the ground running. I, I and it's funny, right? I haven't seen and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't. I none of them really, none really stand out lately because we've done a lot of bad business. But he's one of the signings of recent memory where he's come in and I'm gone like you've instantly improved our team, like instantly. Um, yeah. You look exactly what we needed back there. You know we can do more than one job. Then I do. I just say he's been a brilliant addition at right back so far. Again, very small sample size. Yeah, no, we talked about it last week after Norwich. He just sort of kind of fitted in nicely, didn't he? Really, um, you know, he's not like he's not like a star player, is he? He just sort of comes in and does a job. You know, I think was it you, Aleem, who kind of compared him to like a Bakri Sagna? You know, nothing. Yeah. You know, not yeah, out of this world, but you know, solid and and you will put in like an eight out of ten every week, and, and, that's, and that's what you want. Yeah, that's it. You want you want consistency, and mm-hmm. I think like last season it was just an absolute mess, wasn't it? A right back. I think that that back five. Well, let's go because I'm not sure what's going on with the goal goalkeeper position. But I think that 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 back four is Arteta's go-to. How do you feel about that though? Being our back four, back five again, depending on how you look at it. How how would you feel about investing in that moving forward and not chopping it unless you ultimately had to? Well, who would you bring in? Like, I I don't. I don't the only of the obvious ones, the keepers, isn't it? Weird one that is, isn't it? Pretty obvious. Think, yeah, you go, Liam. You're a goal. You you play in goal. Uh, you'll probably say the same things. You know, I will. Um, but yeah, you go because I think you you've touched on this before as well. Yeah, I mean, you're a goalkeeper too. You're just, uh, if I remember rightly, so we're probably both uh, perfectly placed. But no, I think Burnley showed us exactly why Ramsdale's come in. Um, Leno doesn't come for even half of those. You know, I don't mean this as a criticism on Leno, but mm. it's just not his game where he just doesn't come for those. Uh, and Ramsdale not only came for them, was successfully uh, coming for those crosses and those uh, balls into the box. He always has a smile on his face as he's doing it. Like, he revels in it. Like, he loves it. And that's what you want. I think that's exactly why he's been brought in. No, I, I can't. Can't fault it, really. I mean, look, there's two things I always look for in a keeper, and that's your communication, first and foremost. That, you know, he's the one player on the pitch. You can see fucking everything in front of him. Uh, but the second one is yeah, like you said, he's so commanding in his in his area, and it's not just a, in and around the six yard box because Leno was one of them. He wouldn't come for a lot, and I don't know whether you had this thought, but I definitely did when watching the game. Steve, you probably didn't, to be honest with you, from what we've already touched upon. <laughs> but there was a, there was a couple of times when he came and you know collected the cross, and you know that moment when it's like, come on, I'll give that little fist clench myself just watching the TV because I'm like, that's what I want to see from a goalkeeper. I want to see him take the pressure off our back four when we're under pressure. I've never felt Leno did that. Leno was never the most vocal. The one thing that you'd always go to with Leno would be the 
the most basic thing for me as a goalkeeper, in, in my honest opinion, being a good shot stopper is not that hard. Having good quick reflexes is, don't get me wrong. That was the only thing that Leno's always done consistently well for me, and that's be a good shot stopper. But when it comes to distribution, communication, and then obviously, um, you know, owning your, your 18-yard box, your penalty area, he never did it and he never sold me on it. And I, when we, I'm not going to touch on it too much, but when we spoke about the whole Leno Martinez thing, that's why I wanted Martinez, because he did that. Um, and I think at top flight football, when you're dealing with the likes of Burnley's, you know, you want a lad who's going to come out reveling the challenge, as you say, Liam. They did it a couple of times. You know, people have been jumping on this saying how great it is to watch him come out with his leg up to protect himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of comes out with his studs up a little bit, I've noticed as well, which is a small concern. I remember David Seaman used to do this a lot. You know, knee, you know, I learned that from him growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your knee up. Your knee up is you can, you know, don't stick your leg out though. That's a bit far. So unless it's part of his game where he's just doing it to take the piss, who knows? Only he will. But everything I've seen from him, again, real, you know, a very small sample size, but I've been incredibly pleased um, with what I've seen from, from uh, Ramsdale so far, for sure. I noticed against Norwich, and we spoke about it last week, like he was just very commanding. It wasn't necessarily what you'd have seen watching on the telly, but mm. in the ground, he was just very, very comfortable. And I don't know, they seem to have a very sort of good relationship and you've got to think as well, they're all young lads on at the back now. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to sort of have that age bracket of players. Um, my only concern, I guess, with that back four is just keeping Tierney fit because the guy is honestly just made of glass. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got to sort of, you know, I was listening to uh, another podcast a few weeks ago, actually, and talking about Tierney, like long-term, like, you know, we, obviously we, we all love him and, you know, a lot, we, we often talk about him as like a future captain, but it does concern me for the fact that he's always sort of, you know, not far from a, a knee injury or so. There's always seems to be something wrong with him. Do you know what I mean? And same, same with Thomas Pye since he's coming as well. I mean, if I could just alleviate that a little, I think Arteta came out after the game and said, oh, they were just putting up with a bit of cramp. So I don't think it's much to really worry about, thankfully. Um, you're right. Uh, that That's where I would worry as well, Kieran Tierney coming out. But we brought in uh, Tavares to, to help alleviate you know, if Tierney picks up it, because players will pick up injuries. Mm. And if Tierney picks one up, we've brought in a, a cover for him who, you know, won't be as good as Tierney, but can do a, well, he's a natural left back. So, of course, he can, can do a job there. And that's fine. Um, I guess on the plus side, we haven't got Europe either. So, we've got less games. Yeah, he's yeah. got more time between. Yeah. That's going to say, sorry to just cut across you there. I am. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm straight back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, Steve, that's such a great point because I think. If he's still picking up injuries, like let's say if we're having this conversation in January, where he's you know he's picked up a knock here and he's got longer to recover in between games, not as much physical demand, then yeah, I think there would be serious concern for the long-term future of Kieran Tierney Arsenal because you can't have somebody that you know that injury prone at you know what is now in in the modern game quite an important area of the pitch. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on, Steve, by bringing in that you don't, we don't have Europe. Um, but like I said, if we're having that conversation in January, then yeah, the yeah. alarm bell should be ringing. I'm not too worried about it, I have to say, because as I say, it, it was cramp, it was a very demanding game. So on this occasion, I don't think I'm too worried, but mm. uh, I, that, though that doesn't, not not to dis, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Discredit. Um, yeah, dis, that, sorry, yeah, discredit your point there, I don't mean to. Because it is still in the back of my mind. But on this mm. occasion, I, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm worried. I would say it's... I'd say I'm not worried. It's a reoccurring theme with these players. Yeah. Um, Potentially, yeah. One thing I want to talk about was our attacking play. Um, we spoke about it before, and it was a real sort of issue. We had a season, and I still feel we haven't... Well, ultimately, like it just feels like when we're going forward, we're just very void of ideas. Um, we had 13 shots on Saturday, three on target. It didn't really feel like we had that much at all. Like going forward, it just feels like Pepe blows hot and cold. Aubameyang just really hasn't sort of picked up his form. Saka and Smith Rowe, the young lads are going to be inconsistent. You know, we can't rely on them to kind of carry the team. Um, I don't know how you guys felt, but I certainly felt very underwhelmed and almost like, in these sort of games, like if we were to go behind, would we have would we have enough about us to get back into the game? Because the truth is, we just don't create a lot of chances, you know. And especially when you look at the lineup, we're very top heavy. A lot of a lot of attacking players in there. This it's funny one because I sat there while I was watching this game, and I think we probably all had the thought, 
you know, this is why we're having this conversation. It is a case of there's just something not right going forward. And I spent a lot of watching the game going, why? I, I can't quite put my finger on what isn't working. You know, because like you say, we get into the areas. It's just when we get there, either doing the safe option, you know, we don't have, or like you say, we don't have a player that can take somebody on. And when you said that, I couldn't help but think, and I remember talking to you about this last, last season, Steve, not long after we first started doing the podcast, actually. And we were going on about Pepe. And we were saying, it's so frustrating to watch that lad on the right and play on the right. Um, and I think I turned around to you and I said, I'd love to see him just have a go on the left. Because it's just, he beat a man, no problem. Every time. But then he, he's got to do the same thing. And that's coming back onto his left because he does not have a right foot. And I think we played, it might have been the West Ham away game. One of, or Wolves away, it might have been, where he scored, you know, he played on the left. He scored a goal where he came, cut in, took a couple of players on and scored with his right foot, funny enough. Um, but there's, he played there for a few games and I was like, this works. He's getting past his man and he's whipping in the ball because he doesn't have to come back on. He doesn't have to cut back in again because he's got that five, 10 yards to beat his man. And then since, I've barely seen him out on the left. And I know Saka's there, but I feel that Saka would be more effective than Pepe is if you swap them around. That would be my first thing. My biggest concern though, I hate to go back to the man himself because, you know, he, he, he's done some great things for us over the last few years. But my major, major concern is Aubameyang. I don't see enough running of the channels. I don't see enough link-up play. I, I don't see a man who's got any confidence at the minute. Could you argue that he's not getting enough service though at the same time? But then how many times do we play a ball in? If we're playing this Arteta ball, whatever the fuck we want to call it, and we like to whip in a lot of crosses, Aubameyang's got to be there. And there's a lot of the time he's not. Um, whether that's our fault or him just not keep, you know, doing his job as well as he should be. I just, I'm just looking at him going, we don't have a figurehead at the top. I don't look at Aubameyang at the minute and think you're the guy, like you said, you know, if we go one nil down, I think the stat at the moment is if we do go one nil down under Arteta, we lose or we draw, we never win. Um, I, and again, he's our captain as well, which doesn't sit so well with me. Not for the person, it's just it's not his quality. He's not a guy who's going to rev people up, you know. Um, but yeah, my major concern was, yeah, I'm just very disappointed so far with Aubameyang this season. Um, I haven't seen enough um, from a guy who's got a little bit to prove, not a lot, but a little bit to prove. What, what do you guys feel? That's just how you know I kind of felt. Watching especially the last couple of games, for sure. I know he scored against Norwich, but it was not exactly a, a world beater, was it? Let's be honest. Um, so, where the way I see it, with touching on Aubameyang, where you left off there, mm. the way I see it, I think he always has been the, the final touch kind of player, the final... Um, the, the Literally, in all senses of the word, the finisher. Mm -hmm. I've never known him to be the one that runs down the channels and makes chances for himself I don't Agreed. really remember him I think he's done it here and there a couple of times mm. but I've never known him to really be that sort of striker yeah I just Where, encourage it, sorry to cut across the air I just want to say that I'm not expecting him to do like what Henri did no, I know Steve's doing the old gun thing, but it's just to give a bit more round. I'm not expecting O'Bannon to pick the ball up and you know just inside his own half or in the opposition half and then take on the team but he don't, I'm not even noticing him running the channels as much as he did to receive those balls through so he can get in on goal, if you know what I mean. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I follow you. And yeah, I mean, you, you're not wrong. He, he doesn't seem to do it. Mm. I can't say I watched Aubameyang specifically in this game and it seems to be a bit worrying that he's not getting on the end of chances as often as he maybe once was. Mm. Um, but for me, sort of leading on to the bigger point of chance creation... The, the, the important when you're trying to create chances you can get into all of the, the nice areas that you want to be all you like mm. from there you've got to make good decisions and that's where we've really loved Saka because Saka just always seems to make the right decision every time mm. Mm. Uh, now he hasn't so far this season mm. and that's why he's looked a bit poor mm. the encouraging thing I took away from this game is actually we did have a lot of nearly moments again and I felt like a lot of the time we were actually making the right decisions, playing it. Do we play it left or right, for example? Right, you've got a right who's got uh, who's making a run, but he's surrounded by three players. Or can you just drop it left, go around him, overlap? Maybe that's your better option. Mm. And I think we've we were making those right decisions a bit better this time. Mm. But 
I don't want to blame solely the pitch because I think a professional footballer should be able to gauge the pitch better than we did on Saturday. Mm. But I think the pitch screwed us on more than one occasion. I, I agree so, with you, for sure. So I think the decision-making, which I think we've lacked, was actually there on Saturday. There was just slightly different factors that were causing us a problem. So I think we've progressed in one sense and we've started to got we're starting to need to now put all of these pieces together and we'll start to see an effective attack and perhaps we start to see Aubameyang come back into the fold a bit more, finishing these chances off. I think it does come down to that final ball. Um, I know you touched upon you know, the worst. There were uh, moments where we did make the right pass, but I, I still think it, it, it isn't where it needs to be. Um, yeah. You know, but like I said before, you know, with, with you know, this this amount of attacking attacking talent in the team, you've got to expect. You know, it's 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 not unreasonable uh, to expect us to, to be open open teams up and creating more chances. I know look, Burnley play a low block and they're a hard team to break down, but... I think is it quite an easy thing for me to say, but if this game was at the Emirates, now for a number of reasons, of course, I think we win this game a lot more comfortably, a lot more comfortably. And there, there's whole different reasons for that home advantage and whatever, and Burnley always seems... We always beat Burnley much more comfortably at home during last season. And now it's always easier to win at home for various reasons. If you literally take the phases of play, put them on our pitch instead of uh, turf more, so I, I think those chances we score, we score at three or four goals during that game. I really do, just simply because the pitch isn't as boggy as hell. Um, I, I don't want to use it as too much of an excuse, not too much of an out, but that pitch was so poor. Yeah. But I think those chances become clearer cut chances and probably then more. It's all hypothetical, but I do think we score more goals. I can see where you're coming from, but I think looking back over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, where we've we've often talked about we don't create enough chances. Like I think it, it's much uh, there's there's bigger issues in the pitch for me. I think it, it's not it's not like this was the first time we've had this conversation. You know, it's something we often sort of come away like even Norwich last week where we had 30 shots and goal, we didn't really create anything overly. That memorable. There was yeah. there wasn't many clear opportunities. I think it's important to mention that we are having the same conversation again. You're absolutely right. So I so I fully see your point. But I think we are having this conversation for different reasons on today at least. And I think this season we have had a lot more shots and goal. So now it's about upping the quality of chance, uh, and you do that with good decisions. That decision making is everything when in creating chances mm. um, and and scoring goals. It just it just felt a bit sorry to cut across. There we go. That, I get one as well. You all cut across me. We all get one. I I just felt we were a little bit lethargic on on Saturday, especially in the second half. There was a few moments where, like from behind the goal, when they were kind of attacking our end, like you could just see the passes, and it was just it, they just sort of slowed it down, and mm. you just felt a bit like we we lacked a little bit of sharpness and a little bit of urgency. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they're playing for time. Just sort of seeing out the game. Uh, ultimately, we won the game anyway. So, yeah, it was a very demanding game, uh, a very physical contest um, out on that pitch. So that takes its toll. As I said about the pitch, it does as much as I don't want it to be an excuse. It does play its part, and I think it did play quite a big part on this occasion. Mm. So I think for this game, we are having the same conversations, but I, I think for very different reasons. It's also worth noting as well that there's a big Tesco down the road from the Burnley ground and like all the car noises probably put the players off from the big car park. The multi-story. Fuck off. Yeah, I, I'm going to join you. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a pub over the road and uh, an old John boy who lives in Burnley. He was chewing his steak pie too loudly and, you know, the players couldn't concentrate. There was someone in the stands chewing his sweets a bit too loudly. <laughs> Complaining about his sore knees. Oh, they are very sore. They are very sore. Sure, you're used to that, though, Steve, aren't you? Hey. Sore knees. Hey. <laughs> um, looking ahead, uh, Tottenham on the weekend. Northland and Derby, how are we all feeling? We don't do predictions on here, but how are we feeling? Are we feeling confident? Ask me after Wimbledon. <laughs> oh, of course, we've got Wimbledon next, actually. On the, on Massive Wednesday. game, Wednesday night. Yeah. Oh, we should beat Wimbledon at home. Well, we should, but that's my point. If we don't, um, I won't be as confident as I might be now. 
I imagine Chance, have a look at some different players. Send the kids out, isn't he? You like probably. Yeah. Yeah. But the under twenty threes played very recently, or will do. Okay. Not long before they beat, the game. They well, they literally played yesterday or the day before, and they beat Chelsea six one. <laughs> yeah, I saw that actually. Mm. But I'm thinking is Balogun's. I, I think do they have another game? I'm not sure now. I'm doubting myself. But if they've got a game coming up, like maybe on the same day, even then we might not see Balogun's or Patino's. Oh, or, they'll chop that yeah. around, I'd say. Perhaps, but if they're involved, then maybe there's less kids than we than we hope. North London derby, back to that. How do I feel about it? Do you know what? It's a strange one because they're 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 a weird side as well, as much as we can be. They're bloody odd as well. Um, you know, I was watching a bit of their game yesterday, and it's funny, isn't it? The 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 media reaction to Tottenham losing three 0 at home to Chelsea is nothing in comparison to what it is when we do it, um, or if we lose to a big team. Um. But yeah, I don't know how to feel. I don't know, actually. Usually there's a lot of nerves going into the North London derby because, you know, we spoke about this before. And I'm sure all of us have had this thought. It's just the one game, 100%, I never want to lose. Don't even know that many Tottenham supporters, to be honest with you, but I just don't want to lose it. Um, you know, you want those bragging rights. It's kind of, you know, we've fallen a little bit, not behind them as such, because I think that's too too black and white, but, you know, League form, theirs has been a little bit better than ours over the last couple of years. And I think it's horrible to admit that. Um, but, you know, they weren't much better than us last season. We beat them once, they beat us once. Um, and, they're, you know, they're two, two back-to-back losses after a relatively decent start, but they had an easier start compared to us. It's going to be a fucking nil-nil draw, isn't it? <laughs> we can go above them if we beat them, can't we? You are. Can we go above them if we beat them? I think we can. Yeah, I think a 2-0 win at least does it because of the goal difference. That's that's an incentive then, isn't it? Let's go back, you know, let's go above Spurs. But yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot of nerves. I just... Are we actually... It's, it's, is it at Tottenham or is it the Emirates? It's the yeah, Emirates, isn't it? The Emirates, yeah. Well, in that regard, then I'm probably more nervous. That's, it instantly actually made me feel more nervous because you're at home as well. Um at least you, you know you don't have the excuse of oh we're away from home if you do lose you know what I mean if you get beat at home by Tottenham that's never fun um, but I, I do think that's a game which could really go anywhere it wants to and we'll find out I guess the North London derby is one of the games I really don't like to have an opinion on pre-game yeah. just because especially in recent times I, I've learned that the stars have aligned so well and we've still not won the game and we've lost um, that I, I can't remember the circumstances, but I just remember games really lining up so perfectly for us that everything was in our favour and you, you go into the North London derby all confident and it just makes a defeat ever that much worse. Like, as you say, it's bad enough losing. It's always worse losing to Tottenham at home. It's always mm. worse losing when I, when I feel so hopeful because the stars are aligning. Um, and and so I've, I've given up getting hope, getting my hopes up and having any sort of opinion, if I'm honest. Okay. Set the expectations incredibly low and then you can't be disappointed, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I just This is the one game of the season I you kind of just have to get through. You know you have those days at work, you think it's going to be a shit day at work. I've just got to find a way through it and count the hours down. Mm. North London Derby is the same for me. I've just got to find a way to get through it on the day and then when it's done, deal with it in my own way. Positively or negatively, yeah, um, and yeah, just got to get through it. So, listener, on this day, on Tuesday, twentieth September, twenty eleven, Arsenal beat Shrewsbury Town three one in the Carling Cup. But can you guess the eleven? What year was Depends. this? Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Oh God! Just on this note, though, I have to say I was, and I did say this to you off off the pod afterwards. Obviously, listening to you guys go through that that game last week, very gutted. I wasn't uh, part of that one because I was at that game uh, when Ian Wright broke the the, the goal scoring record, and that was one of my most memorable days at Highbury. Actually, to be honest, with you Much just more up your rally than it was mine. Yeah, a little bit. Were you born? Were you alive? Ninety seven. I was born. What was the year? Ninety. 96. <laughs> was it 96? Yeah, no, it, no, was 90, it was 97, 98. It was like, it was like September 97. Yeah, I was like six months old or something. That's fair then. That is fair. But no, I just that day always stands out for me. I'll never forget the atmosphere that day. Um, it's one of the most 
uh, widely celebrated goals I'd seen at Highbury for quite, you know, in, in my memory, to be honest with you, it was great. Absolutely. That, but, but was it, it was no Shrewsbury at home in the League Cup? Absolutely not. In 2011, <laughs> when we were peak, you know, let's, let's see what we got. 2000. Oh, Jesus. Not that lad. Is he back? It was probably around that time. I don't really know. That's not a guess. I'll be honest, some of these lads, I'm not even sure what position. I mean, I know what area of the field is in terms of midfield and defence, but I couldn't tell you where. So we'll just have a go, shall we? Go on then, give us a formation. I think it's Roughly. a 4 4 Okay. A 4 4 I think. Well, Calvin, do you want to do the honours and guess how many are already? Or... No, because it's a cup <laughs> game, Liam. Come on. It's a cup uh... game. I'm going to go with our our second favourite goalkeeper. He's actually turned out to be a pretty good goalkeeper. No, you mean now. You know what I mean now, don't you? Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be my guess. Lucas Fabianski. Yeah. He shoots, he scores. He played yesterday, didn't he, against uh, Man United? Made a couple of really good saves as well, actually. He dropped the ball for the the first goal, though. Yes. Yeah, he did a bit. I I agree. So... Keeper, and was it a 4 4 2? Yeah, you're gonna go with okay. Bloody hell! Oh, right back, uh, Justin Hoyt, someone like that. No, oh, he was more like 2005 6. Yeah, yeah, a bit earlier, wasn't he? Oh, was um, he really? He had a brother, didn't he? Gavin Hoyt, as well. Yes, he did. He also played for the club. Oh, uh, Gavin Hoyt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go for Mr. Not not the original Mr. Arsenal, but the very much downgraded version of Mr. Arsenal. And that's Carl Jenkinson. The Poundland Prince. Yeah, he was in the team. Good shout. Good shout. I'm going to go strongly downhill from here. I can sense it. did really well. I mean, studying up whilst I've been off. Left back. Is to, just a quick question. Is 2011 the year we got to that final against Birmingham? Or was that 2010 or somewhere? I've erased that from my memory, Liam. I don't know what you're talking about. No, this I think this was the season when we wore. Yeah, you know, I think it was when Henri came out. Is it that year? When we had the red, the special. Oh, 11 12. Yeah, in 2012, yeah. January, wasn't it? Okay, that year. Okay, that gives me a clue. Okay. Um, left back. Left back, I'm going to go with. Game, cup game. Cliche would have been your number one, Kieran Gibbs. At left oh, back. He's got three out of three. <laughs> He's definitely got the lineup in front of him. 100%. Liam, you want to you have a go? Or... Yeah, so this is where it's going to get real tough. Yeah, because this was the year, rough, it was roughly around the time we'd got the Scalacci and the Cossioni. And I wonder if one of them was playing. Was Scalacci? No. No, it might have. <sighs> um... I'm trying, it's funny, isn't it? All, I can, all I'm doing here is I'm just trying to envisage people playing in that shirt. I'll give you a clue. One of them was in the was involved in the 8-2 fashion at, at Old Trafford. As in Johan. The, one of, Don't mess with the Johan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really, Yeah, of course. Oh, jeez. I don't think you'll get this one. I wouldn't centre get this. Sent another centre-back that we're not going to get. I don't think you'll get him. Is he out of position? Begins with M. No, he wasn't. Number four, oh, Nancy you know. Mikel. Yes. Mikel. Yeah. That's a good shout. That's a name that I just... <laughs> I, I know him because he took... The th- every time I watched that Henri goal against Leeds, it clicked. Um, he, it always starts with him taking that throw-in yeah. on, on YouTube. That's always how I remember him. Well, he did something useful then. He yeah. played a part in that legendary... Yeah, that's the only thing I remember him for, but that's how I remember. That's it worth, that's twigged, worth remembering for, yeah, for sure. Good memory. I, I didn't even, I forgot about him completely. To be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that one either. In the midfield yeah. then? Frimpong? Yeah, Frimpong. What a shout. What a shout. What, no, oh, yeah, what a man. Wasn't he in one of our worst 11s? Yes. <laughs> that we did a few months He was probably in every one of our worst 11s. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, <laughs> I'm going to put the, because this was the summer of our transfer very much madness, where it went a bit mm-hmm. hand in it if we lost 8-2. So I'm going to bring in Oxlade Chamberlain into that midfield. Yeah. Good shout. I'm also going to bring in 
Sorry, Liam, I'm going to go for a double guess here because, again, it's that summer. I'm going to bring in Yossi Ben Ayoun. Yeah. Just about to say Ben Ayoun on the tip of my tongue. I'm having that one. All right, you have that one. Yeah, you have that one. Yeah. One more. Well, we'll, we'll both have it. Um, After right. that, I guess. Hang on. You Are we missing one one mid? Mm, he's like a defence midfielder. Still plays now. Still play what? Not, Not for us. Hold on. Oh, no. Wait. Oh, we're 4 4 two. I, I'm getting confused. So, uh, what are we looking at? So, we've got right wing Ox, left wing Ben Ayun, yeah. middle Frimpong, and we've got one more midfielder. One more in there. Oh, I'm going to scroll Still one out. Still plays now. Oh, is it him? Still plays now. Can we ask where? Not like club, but where? Like, where is he? <laughs> On the field. <laughs> It's is he in China somewhere or is he still like in the Premier League? Played against us last season. No. In the oh Europa League. And he played in the final as well. And that man is Francis Coquelin. Yes, correct. Good shout. Christ. Shame it never works out with him. Yeah, I thought, you know, there was that little yeah. period of time when him and Santi Cazorla were bossing centre mid and it was great. It didn't last very long though. So up front... I Park? Like... Hmm? Chu Young Park? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know he ever played a game, ever. Played, he only ever played like Carling Cup, uh, yeah, round FA Cup games or something. Oh, well, the other man, you've already mentioned the other man. Um, I see who my other man's going to be. You said oh, it earlier, yeah. and that's Marouane Shamak. Shamak Mavichup. Yeah. That was very good, guys. I'm what? very impressed. Fabianski. What an awful lineup. Go through that. <laughs> so, Fabianski, Giroud, Jenkinson, Gibbs, McQuow, Mikau, Oxley Chamberlain, Frimpong, Ben Oyim, Cochlam, Park, Chu Young, or Chu Young Park, I'm not entirely sure. And then Shamak. The only yeah. half decent player you could consider a success was Ox. Yeah. <laughs> Out of that entire 11. Uh, actually, Credit where it's due, and I know he came to us in his tail end, but I, I always thought Yossi Benoyim was incredibly underrated as a player. I thought he was actually quite handy. Mm. He did a few, he did a job for us, didn't he? I suppose. Also, Cockerland's yeah. just won the Europa League. So, and Fabianski yeah. plays in oh, Europe. Right. I've probably done him. Oh, okay, I've probably done that line of a slight disservice. But no, Ox, the best player, but um, yeah, he's probably the biggest name, isn't he? In that line, biggest name, yeah, that's probably the best way to look at it. Can you remember who scored the goals? We won 3 1. Mm. Probably Shamak. We were Probably behind, won. you know, actually. <laughs> Wait, Ox scored, didn't he? Yeah, he scored one. You're telling me we came from behind? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Shamak must have got on the score sheet. He yeah. always somehow did. Oh, okay. Fair. Oh, like, I, uh, the guy, I the, that the other guy is, uh, I always think they were brothers, Philip Brace, man. Oh, oh fucking! Oh, they it came up in a game then, didn't it? Um, the Chelsea game. So you're Kieran Gibbs. Yeah. No way. And then Ben Ayoun with the third. Wow. There you go. Look, underrated. What, what a terrible team. That, that, that is a terrible. Look, I mean, look. Yeah, looking back, that's terrible. That's Out of terrible. curiosity, have you got the bench there just to see what that's like? Yeah, uh, it was Martinez, Boateng, Anek, Chucks, <laughs> Chucks, and Nike, Ozzy Yakut, Yanaris. Miachi, what? Okay. You know, a few of them have had decent careers. Yanaris went on to play for Brentford, didn't he, in the championship, or maybe mm. slightly lower. Who the hell's yeah. Mar- who the hell's Martinez? No idea. You never heard of him. Little twig. Remember <laughs> Rio Miachi though? He was going to be the next best thing. I remember Japanese Messi. Yeah, something Jesus. like that, wouldn't it? He's he's still playing. I think he's playing lower leagues in in Holland. I think. Is he really? Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's one for you to check Google out. Google it. Have a I'll quick Google it now. Yeah, go for it. I want, I want this info live because I always remember he was rapid, wasn't he? And then he got to England. He was not quick in comparison to what we have in the, in, in the Premier League. No, he's not. He did go to Holland. Uh, he came mm. over to the Netherlands. He, he had a loan spell at Feyenoord, FC Twente. Um he played for as well, but he's now looks like somewhere in Japan, Yokohama F Marinos. Never made oh, an appearance for top, him yet. That's top flight in Japan, so fair play to him. Not yeah, bad. He, had, he managed to get two caps for their national team in 2012, so Wikipedia says. Maybe not so great. Maybe he's just sat on the bench every week. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I mean, look, 
I guess uh, we should probably call it a day there, chat, shall we? No, I'm doing less than another six hours. You want to do another six hours? We'll stay till. Are you excited for Brighton? Am I excited for Brighton? Um, I was until I heard your story uh, about falling down the stairs or up the stairs or around the stairs. You can't remember, so that's bloody (laughs) great time. So just to fill you in, Liam, um, and the listener, why not? Myself and Steve are actually finally going to meet up in person and do a game. Um, And we've managed to secure tickets for Brighton away on the 2nd of October. Oh, no. I'm in the UK around that time, but I can't make it because I'm I'm surprising my mum for her birthday. That's uh, and it falls, really on, falls on the same day as the Brighton away game because I was oh. looking at the fixtures and went, What can I go to? Ah, so well, it's you obvious, go. isn't it? You're gonna have to let your mum down, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just tell her you'd be a bit late. <laughs> your mum has a birthday every year, Brighton Arsenal doesn't always come round, yeah. Well, yeah, but... in there, if anything, it's twice a year, <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't know about you, Steve, I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to it, and it's funny, it's, this is a full circle for me. I've only just, I've actually only just realized this. The last live game I attended um, was at home to Brighton towards the end or the end of uh, the wonderful Unai Emery's first season where we finally threw away top four. So I'm hoping we can get a slightly better result, to be honest. Chance with you. for revenge. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it, Steve. I'm really looking forward to coming over. Pleasure, um, mate. As always, you know, we just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can always follow us on all the major social media platforms. Steve can be found on both Twitter and Instagram at In The Clock End. You can find myself on Twitter at underscore the arse underscore. And you can also follow Liam, our resident duchy, at Gronin Guna on Twitter. Uh, but please keep an eye on the social media feeds for the information on the next podcast. It will obviously be after our wonderful victory over Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday. Please let maybe cut that out, Steve, because I don't want that to come back and bite me in the arse next week. But until then, listeners, look after yourselves, look after each other. All the best. Bye-bye. <laughs>